Good morning, Faith Family. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It's great to see you. Uh, I just got to tell you, uh, I just love the worship set this morning. How about you this morning? Anybody? Just a time of just worshiping through song, and, and I appreciate so much uh, the, the team and, and all the effort that they put into it. Uh, I especially like the song that we sang last, I Belong to Christ. How many of you celebrate today with me that you belong to Christ Jesus? Amen. Isn't that so amazing to, uh, to be able to sing such truth and to, to be a part of, of, of a faith family that just worships uh, uh, in such an amazing way on Sunday morning? I was talking to Spence a few weeks ago, and uh, I was sharing with him that it's just so uplifting for me to come in on Sunday morning as a pastor, to walk in, and as I'm making my rounds through the church and just checking on everybody and seeing how things are, it can just seem sort of business-like, and then to come in here and then, you know, to have the, have the band just lead us in a time of worship and how just refreshing to my soul it is to be able to worship in spirit and truth just like you are as well. And, and it's, just, it's just really good to just be able to do that. So I'm very thankful that we have that opportunity. Um, there are two things that we're going to be talking about here today, two uh, topics, if you will, two doctrines that we're going to be looking at. One is baptism and the other is Lord's Supper. And so I think it's important that as a church, uh, from time to time, we talk about these issues because you have those that come into the life of the church and maybe they don't know anything about baptism. Maybe they're new in their faith and they've never even explored what it means to be baptized as a believer or a follower of Christ Jesus. And so I think it's important that we talk about those issues. And, and for the same reasons, maybe you come in here and you, you don't really understand why we do the Lord's Supper. Typically, we like to try to do it about once every month. I don't think we've been... Uh, quite that regular since we moved into the new building, but today we'll have an opportunity to celebrate together the Lord's Supper. So we're going to be looking at this, these issues and, and how important they are for us. Uh, I think you should know, uh, as we prepare to, to dive into the Word here this morning, that Jesus actually commands us to do both of these things. He actually commands us to do both of these things, and I think that's important for us to know. I want to give you a couple of just springboard type verses here to think about and to marinate on while we get ready to, to dive into God's Word here this morning. The first one comes from Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, a very familiar passage that we would look at together, especially if we're talking about what it means for us to, to go out and to be the witnesses of Christ, uh, to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so we, we know this passage to mean uh, sort of... Um, the Great Commission for us. And so Matthew 28, verse 19 says this. It says, Go therefore uh, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so we see uh, right away that Jesus is commanding us to not only go out as his witnesses into the world, to be the salt and the light of, of the world, uh, to go out into the world and to proclaim the name of Jesus, to present the gospel message but also, as we see people come to Christ and they begin that new journey in Christ Jesus and they uh, are now disciples in Jesus Christ, that we are commanded to baptize them. Here, around here, we baptize by immersion, and, and so that would be the form in which we would baptize. But, but that's something that we see in Scripture. As we read through Scripture, we're going to see that Jesus uh, expects us and actually commands us to baptize uh, believers or disciples of Jesus. But we also see, as we look at the Lord's Supper, this other ordinance that God has given us, and that we're going to be looking at very quickly here today as well, is that, uh, is that we, we understand that this is something that Jesus is calling us to do. 
In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25, it says this, in the same way in which he took the cup after supper, saying, he's already talked about the bread in this, past, in this verse, but this cup is the new covenant of, in my blood. He says, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As he talks and speaks about the bread, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And so Jesus is commanding his disciples, and we'll look at that later as we dive into these uh, doctrinal issues, but Jesus is, is commanding his, his disciples. He's teaching them. And, and, and laying out an expectation to partake in the Lord's Supper together. And so we do this to remember. Both of these ordinances are really uh, set in place or set into motion for the life of the church that we would reflect or proclaim or declare uh, the things that Christ has done for us. And so that's what we're going to be looking at as we dive into God's Word. Now I want to pray for us first and then we'll, we'll dive into the the message here this morning so let's pray together dear heavenly father lord jesus holy spirit of god lord we do thank you for your presence in this place we're thankful father that we have an opportunity to come together and to gather together and to worship together and lord we've been faithful in doing that as we've lifted up our voices in song and adoration and praise to you god we are reminded that you are so worthy of everything that we could offer father that we bring to you our spirit of worship a spirit that is done, a, a time of worship that is done in both spirit and in truth. And, and Father, we gather here today to celebrate uh, you, to celebrate our Savior, Jesus Christ, to, to remember the great work that he has done in our life and, and, and the reason that, that Jesus was so willing to go to the cross. Lord, help us as we dive into your word this morning and we begin to talk about these issues, that, Father, you would stir our hearts and our very souls and that, God, we would find ourselves as followers of Christ Jesus just celebrating, God, the goodness of who you are. Lord, uh, as we look into your word today, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, and that you would speak into us as we celebrate Jesus together. We love you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me start off this morning by asking you a question, uh, and that question is this. If you could change anything about your life, if you could change it, just one thing in your life, what would it be? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about what it would be like if you could maybe change something about who you are? Maybe for some of us in this room, we would be thinking about, well, boy, I'd like to change my looks, you know. I, uh, I might, would like to be younger. I mean, it, all kind of things would come to our, I mean, if, if we only have one shot at this, we want to get it right, you know. And so the, the reality is we, we could probably come up with a lot of things that we would think about that we would maybe like to change uh, about our life if we could in fact change anything about our life uh, maybe it's a, a private struggle that we we wrestle with and we would just really like to be able to overcome this particular struggle maybe it's an addiction that we have maybe it's a something like fear in our life that we would like to overcome but but the reality is uh, you know many of us if we thought about this we could probably come up with at least one thing that we would like to change about ourselves but here's maybe a better question for us to ask as we think about that question maybe a better question to ask is this do you believe in life change do you believe in life change do you believe that that life can be altered do you believe that life can be changed and I think this is a very important question because as we're going to be looking at here this morning that Jesus is in the life-changing business and that's important for us to to think about as we prepare to dive into 
the message here today that we're going to be looking at, but many of us maybe are wrestling with lifelong insecurities, or maybe, uh, maybe there's issues in our life that are there because we grew up in a dysfunctional family or something along those lines. Maybe for some of us here today, as we think about this question, we think about those addictions or those fears, and we know that there's no way that we can change those things on our own. And so we, we, we long to be changed. We, we desire to be changed. And so um, I, I just want to talk about this before we dive into looking at these issues or these, these topics of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And you're going to see why we move into this before we move into those things as we continue through the rest of this message. Now check this out. The Bible teaches and God promises us that a person who is born of the Spirit who lives in union with Christ Jesus, that he can, can and will ultimately transform their heart and mold and shape him or her into the person in which God desires for us to be. We, we've already acknowledged, and we'll say it again, that Jesus is in the life-transforming business. And, and the Bible teaches us and God promises us is that when we, when we have been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus and we... We surrender our life over to the control of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to lead us and guide us. When we come along beside others and connect with other followers of Christ Jesus for things like discipleship and accountability, the Bible is very clear that, that God will take all of that and He will shape us and mold us into who He wants us to be. It, it's really uh, interesting what really takes place. It's sort of a metamorphosis. And so that's what is really taking place, sort of a spiritual metamorphosis. I was, I was looking up this word metamorphosis, and I was thinking about what exactly it means, and, it, and it, it really was described in the dictionary a lot different than I thought it would be. But let me, let me read this to you, because I think this is interesting. It says this, it says, a change of the form or the nature of a thing or a person into completely different one by natural, or look at this, this is the part that surprised me, or supernatural means. And so Jesus does that in our life when he transforms our hearts and our minds and our, our, our souls and he shapes us into who he wants us to be. The scripture is very clear that as, as we walk on this planet lost in, in our sin and, and dead in our trespasses, that when, when Jesus draws us near and we come to that place where there's new spiritual birth, and we are saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible is very clear that when that happens, we are no longer who we used to be. And so we begin to transform. We begin to, our lives are being transformed, and we're beginning to shift away from who we used to be in the flesh, and we are now living by the Spirit. And as we live by the Spirit, the Spirit of God is sanctifying us. He's growing us. He's maturing us. He's doing all these marvelous things in our life. And and the Spirit of God is transforming who we are from who we used to be to who we now are in Christ Jesus. And so this is what's taking place. He's changing our life. Now, here's the thing. Maybe some of you are sitting out here today and you're saying, you know what? I don't know that I want my life changed. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, you know what? I'm okay with my life the way it is. And if, if that's you this morning, then I would, I would propose this maybe to you, that you are here today and you simply don't understand the riches of Christ. You just don't understand how rich and fulfilled a life can be in Christ Jesus. For those of us today here 
who know Christ Jesus, we've experienced life change. And what the desire is, usually over anything else as a believer in Christ Jesus, is we desire to be changed on a daily basis. In other words, we want to experience more of God. We want to experience more of his power. We want to experience more of everything he has to offer. And so most of us as believers, we find ourselves longing to be something more, something different than who we are today. If we look at our testimonies, if we look at where we used to be, we could probably no doubt say my life is a lot different than it used to be back then. That's testimony of life change. And so this morning, it's important that we understand this and we dive into this uh, as we prepare to look at these two issues called baptism and Lord's Supper. And I'll explain why when we get into that. But as we get ready to sort of look at this spiritual metamorphosis, I want to I want to offer to you two stages that take place. And the scriptures teach us of this happening in the disciples' life as, as Jesus begins to transform the life. The first stage is one of spiritual birth. One of spiritual birth. It's a new birth. In other words, Jesus gives us a new life. In John 3, there's a really interesting story that begins to unfold where, where, where Jesus is approached by a man, a religious man, the scriptures say, named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, he comes to, to Jesus and he says, you know, it's obvious that you're a man of God. I mean, it, it's obviously that God is close to you. There, it's obviously obvious that, that, that you're a man of God because we, we've been looking at you, we've been watching, and there's just something different about you. There's something that, that could only be explained if God's involved in the work that you're doing. And then Jesus says this to him in John chapter 3, verse 3, that is very important for us to understand this morning as, as, as a group that's gathered here today hoping and desiring for God to do something significant in our life, okay? Here's what Jesus says to Nicodemus in John 3, 3. He says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Do you think it's important then that we be born a spiritual birth you see what we begin to realize is that a natural birth requires uh, i mean a natural life requires a natural birth but a spiritual life requires a spiritual birth and that's exactly what jesus is saying as he's engaging in conversation with nicodemus he's he's saying listen he says if, if there's going to be life change if there's going to be you know, if, if you're going to walk with god here if you're going to fellowship with god there's got to be a spiritual birth that's taking place and he's explaining that to him and most of us, like I've already said here today, most of us as believers in Christ Jesus, we have testimony of that. This morning, I want to dive into my life just a little bit and offer you a bit of a, a testimony into my life. I want to give you a glimpse into my early years as a, as a young man. And I think it's important because I, I really want us to understand this thing about, uh, about what it means to be spiritually born or to be born again, to... To, to live a life of transformation is so critical to understand our role as disciples in the life of the church. When I was in kindergarten, my parents divorced. And as you could imagine, a, a young boy uh, of about six or seven years old, uh, whatever it was that it was, I, I can't remember exactly, but as a young boy, I, 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 my parents divorced. And the reason I bring this up is because maybe some of you can relate to what I'm saying here as well. Maybe, maybe you, you lived and, and, and went through a situation very similar to that. But my parents were very loving. Both of them were very loving to me and my sisters. They cared deeply for us, but they, they, they parted ways. And as a result, I was confused. 
I was at a place where I was, it was really painful for me because I loved both of my parents, and suddenly I was just living with one instead of the other. And both of my parents were in a place of really suffering financially. They, they both were very, spirit, I mean, uh, well, spiritually and financially impoverished. And, and I found myself living with my mom as a single mom. Uh, she was uh, really struggling to make ends meet. I remember we, we, we moved into this very small house. I, and I say house loosely. It was more like a shack that we moved into. It was very small, and it was kind of grungy. And she was trying to make the best of things. And she moved us into this, to this house. And I remember she called it the doll house. Now, I didn't play with dolls back then. Okay? And, uh, and so that was one that was, I think, more for my sister's. But it was one of those things where she was trying to encourage us and trying to make the best uh, of things for us as a single mom. She was doing the best she could. And, and, but for a young man, I was just really struggling with the whole thing. Over the years, my parents, that, looking out for us and trying to determine what would be the best for us, they, they decided that whoever was most financially able would take care of us. And so what would happen is after my first and second year in school with my mother, I ended up moving off to Statesboro to live with my dad. And I was living there. I was in the third grade, and then things kind of changed for my mom, so we come back over here for the fourth grade, and, and I lived with her for a year. And then I came back over here for the fifth grade, then back over here for the sixth grade, and it was just back and forth, back and forth. And, and what, was, what was happening is, is that I was beginning to get very insecure, I was very shy because I was never rooted or grounded anywhere. It was just like I was always on the move and I never had an opportunity to make friends or, or, or whatever, to connect with anyone. And so I, I was always moving into the school system as an outsider. And so as a result of that, by the time I got to high school, I was very, very shy. Now, most of you probably think there's no way Pastor David was ever shy. You know, he, he's just very outgoing. That's the power of Christ in my life. Can I just say that? That's the power of Christ in my life because by the, the day I graduated high school, I was scared to death of any individual other than myself. I was so insecure in everything that I was. I, could, I couldn't approach people and just talk to people. I, couldn't, I could have never done what I'm doing here today without the power of Jesus Christ because I was just that insecure and that fearful of people. I graduated high school, and I'm, I wanted to change because I had just... Man, it was just, I just really, I, honestly, and I'll just be real with you, I hated life. I, I, was, I just didn't like life. I, I, I felt like as a young man that I had zero direction in life, and I knew, I knew nothing about Jesus. And I remember moving off, and I moved to America's Georgia, and went to Georgia Southwestern there for a while. And so as I moved there, I was hoping for kind of a fresh start, and maybe things would be different for me. And while I was there, a young a young friend of mine, he, he began to share the gospel with me. He began to talk to me about Jesus. Now, I remembered when he started having these conversations that my grandmother, when I was like seven or eight years old, she had shared the gospel with me. And I remember as a, as a young man that was driving back and forth between my parents, I had stopped in one day at a Christian bookstore, and I bought a Bible. I just I, Something about what God was doing in my life, and I didn't even know it, but God was doing something in my life. And and I knew that maybe I could find answers in the Bible. So I walked in. I'd never been to church much at all. And I walked in and I asked them, a Christian bookstore, do y'all sell Bibles? And she kind of laughed. And she said, yes, we do. Here's a King James Version. And so I remember opening that up and I turned to somewhere like Leviticus. And I thought, oh, you must need a doctorate to study this because it just didn't make any sense to me 
And I never really read much of it at all after that. But now I've got this friend who's now sharing the gospel with me. And he's talking to me about Jesus. And it would be several years after that, but at age 23, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it was, it was not something, I, I want you to understand this. It wasn't like I said, you know what? I'm going to make a decision to follow Jesus. God was so real in my life that I couldn't do anything to hold back from following Jesus. It was a spiritual birth. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know what was happening to me. But what was happening in my life is that there was this, this spiritual awakening that was happening deep within my heart. And there was this spiritual birth that was taking place. And, and what I would come to realize much later in life, what I would come to realize is that God, in his, in his unconditional love for me, his grace, his mercy, and that while I was yet still a sinner, he pursued me and he wooed me with his Holy Spirit and he poured out his life into my life that I would come to realize who he was and end up giving my life and, sat and, and surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. It was, a, it was a new birth. I remember the preacher one day was preaching the gospel and I couldn't wait to just go to him and tell him that I wanted to surrender my life to Christ and to where he gave the prayer and while he was praying, I just ran to the front with tears in my eyes. It was a new birth. It was a spiritual birth. Amen. Praise God. Here's this lonely, insecure, fearful person that God said, I want to show you who I am. I want to lead and guide you. I want to mold and shape you into somebody that you know not yet what my plans are for you. But I want, I want to show you over time. And so the spiritual birth, it was very real. And so when Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, when Jesus is speaking to this religious leader who knew Scripture but didn't know Jesus, when Jesus says to him, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, I know exactly what he's talking about. And many of you here today know exactly what he's talking about. That new life that we have in Christ Jesus. No longer who we used to be, but instead who we are today. Amen? How many of you celebrate that with me today? Amen? We have a testimony of what Christ has done in our life. So there's the kind of stage one of the spiritual metamorphosis. Here's the stage two. And there's several of these stages I wish we could get into, but we're going to kind of stop with this one. But the second one is spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. There's a word that we often use. It's called sanctification. And it talks about Christ uh, changing our lives through life transformation, this, this spiritual birth taking place to where, where, where we come to this place where we are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And at that moment, there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. There's now the presence of God deep within our heart. And we begin on this journey with God, no longer walking on our own will, but now walking with Christ as we live out our spiritual faith in Christ Jesus. We are walking, and the Holy Spirit begins to mold and shape us, and this fancy word called sanctify us that we see all throughout Scripture where, where God begins to just really mold us and shape us into who he wants us to be. This is where Jesus begins to change us to be more like him instead of like ourselves. And so he begins to change our life and this spiritual growth begins to take place. I love, I just love John 17 where Jesus is praying what is known as the, the high priestly prayer. And in this prayer, Jesus is literally praying for the children of God. And so this morning, if you celebrate 
the fact that you belong to him, if you celebrate new life in Christ Jesus, if you celebrate this, this spiritual birth, uh, this, this new life in, in Christ, then this is a prayer that Jesus is praying for you as he intercedes for us. As he, he's praying this high priestly prayer. And so Jesus is, is praying, and he says this as he prays for the children of God. He says, they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. So Jesus already, he has acknowledged that there is su something supernatural about a follower in Christ Jesus. There is something supernatural about a disciple of Christ Jesus. And so he says this. He says, they are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Now look at verse 17. Jesus says this. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. And so here we see this word, sanctify. It literally means to be set apart. And so what Jesus is praying, think about this now. As Jesus intercedes for you, as Jesus is praying for you, as Jesus is interceding for you, and he's speaking to the Father, and he's saying, listen, do this in, in, in their life, in, in this church's life, the believers here, the disciples. He says, do this, God. He says, set them apart from the rest of the world. Set them apart from their own flesh and draw them near and sanctify them. In other words, make them holy. Make them righteous, he's saying. And so this is God's prayer. This is Jesus' prayer to the Father as he is praying. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. And so there it is again. And so you see there's this, this time, this place in our life where Jesus comes into our life and he saves us and we are no longer who we used to be, but we are now made righteous in Christ Jesus. And that's only the beginning. That's only the beginning. Because there's an indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God that is now working in our life and sanctifying us and moving us. You know, after surrendering to my life in Christ at age 23, I began to study God's Word more so than, than I did previously when I bought the Bible. But I began to study God's Word and I began to grow as a follower. And I, and I must admit, it was, a, it was slow growth, okay? It didn't happen like real quick. I didn't just go from from lost person to theologian overnight, okay? It was, it, in fact, uh, I think God, he, he saved me, and then he said, oh, boy, we got our work cut out with you. You know, it was just one of those things. It took a while. But, you know, I could see God's evidences in my life as God was moving in my heart, but there was so much baggage that came with my life. There was so much baggage that existed in my life. And, and, and honestly, I'll be real honest with you, there's a part of you that when you, when you surrender your life to Christ, you kind of think, okay, that's settled. Now I can get back on with life. And that's not the case at all. God's he's, he's convicting you. He's encouraging you. He's, he's working in you. And there's this, this wrestling, if you will, between flesh and spirit. And, so, and I can tell you, he's going to win every time, okay? And so there's this wrestling between flesh and spirit and he's just he uh, and i'm fighting and i'm wrestling and i'm uh, and all i want to do I'm, I'm like jesus i'm good with the fire insurance okay i'm good with that if you can just let me move on with my life he's like oh no 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 we, we've got work to do we're gonna we're gonna turn you into something you never dreamed of and so it was slow 
I mean, there were years of wrestling with God. There was years of just wrestling. And, but what I see looking back, and they always say hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, I know we've all heard that before, but isn't it so much easier to look back and see how God was orchestrating this and he was doing that and he was doing all these things in our life and we say, man, to God be the glory for all this stuff. But we look ahead and we're like, okay, I got it from here. Right? No. God continues to walk. He continues to sanctify. He continues to set apart. You continue to wrestle. I continue to wrestle. There's that, that dying of self that has to take place. There's this, there's this dying of, of the flesh that must take place and this living by the Spirit of God that is replacing all of that. And we begin to realize the blessing of this versus the the curse of that and, and 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 at some point we become maybe a little bit more wise and we say wow I, I want life change I want life transformation and for me it was it was that way as as it began to as Christ began to really gain momentum in my life drawing me ever closer to where I was no longer pursuing my own will I was pursuing his I was a, be, a very self-serving kind of guy. God had to take my life, and he had to say, David, you think you're really good at all of this, but let me point this out to you. You're not a very good husband. Well, God, how am I supposed to be as a husband? Well, you're supposed to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Oh, well, you're right. I, I don't have that one figured out. He began to say, David, you, you're not being the best father. But God, I, I mean, they look all right to me, you know. I mean, they, I mean, they're happy, you know. They've got their hobbies. No, you're not being a very good dad. Conviction, wrestling with flesh, moving away from being someone who is so self-serving to being someone who is living for the glory of God in my marriage, in my lives of my children, in the lives of my friends, and now today, even in the life of the church. I wasn't always who I am today. And I want to just confess to you today, I got a long way to go. I got a long way to go. Just like you probably have a lot. I'm not letting you off the hook. You're not getting off the hook. God's working in our life. Spiritual birth. Sanctification. Moving and journeying with God along the way as he develops and shapes us into who he wants us to be. Who is it that he wants us to be? He wants us to be like Jesus. To take on the image of Christ. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Spiritual birth, spiritual growth are essential in the life of the disciple. Now, I've got eight minutes. I'm probably going to go longer than that because we have two messages to preach, one on baptism and one on... No, I'm kidding. Now we're ready to talk about baptism in the Lord's Supper. Now we're ready to talk because, you see, the reality is this, is that both of those... Are 
instituted into our life. They're brought into our life to be something that happens after salvation. Both of those are intended for disciples of Jesus Christ to participate in. And so if we don't understand about life transformation, if we don't understand about spiritual birth, if we don't understand about the process of sanctification, then moving into baptism and participating in the Lord's Supper, can I just say this? Honestly, that's a waste of time. We have to get the other order uh, business in order before we can move into these other two things. And that's why I wanted to start this morning with talking about life transformation and the reality that every one of us should have a testimony of new birth, new spiritual birth, and the process of God doing incredible things in our life. And then we talk about these things. Now, here's what we understand. The Bible teaches us that, that, Bible, uh, that baptism and the Lord's Supper is, is about proclaiming the gospel. It's about reflecting on what Christ has done for us. We are baptized only after there is salvation, and we participate in the Lord's so, uh, Supper only if we are followers of Christ Jesus. It's intended for those who know Jesus. Last week, we asked a question, you know, do you know about Jesus or do you just, or do you know Jesus? And hopefully you can answer, I know Jesus, not just know about Jesus. The historians know about Jesus, but do you know Jesus? And so as we move into talking about baptism and Lord's Supper, it's important that we understand this. Now let's take a look first of uh, at the first of these, which is baptism, let's let's kind of dive into this. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter six. We're gonna we're gonna move real quickly. I think I can make it happen here, if you if you'll come with me. But let's take a look at Romans chapter six, verses three and four. Paul is writing to the, the to the local gathering of believers there in Rome, and he writes this. He says, "Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death?" Now. Hold on to those things. These words, this isn't just something for the preacher to say on Sunday morning and you go, well, that was okay, and leave out of here. This is powerful stuff. This is stuff that we need to wrap our minds around. And so he says here, he says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, there's another word, underline that one if you will. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead, underlined that right there, raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That we might walk in the newness of life. Now here's what is so beautiful about baptism. You ready for this? Baptism is a picture of the gospel. Baptism is a picture of this, of Jesus dying on the cross, being buried in a tomb, only to have victory over sin and death when he was raised to the dead, uh, from the dead and walked as a living God. Amen? Our Savior, Jesus Christ, say this with me or acknowledge this with me if you will. He lives today. Amen? Amen. He lives today. We don't worship some carpenter buried in a tomb. He lives today. And so the baptism is this beautiful, symbolic look at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's also a look at our death, burial, and resurrection. Remember what I just said a while ago about life transformation? We're no longer who we used to be. We have died to self, and we now are raised to walk in what? The newness 
of life. The things that we say when we do a baptism on Sunday morning, those aren't just fluffy words that we thought of one day. That's right out of God's Word here. That's right out of God's Word. This is a, a beautiful picture of what is taking place. And so every time that we have an opportunity to see someone baptized, we are proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Christ Jesus, that by His grace, He, he died for us, that He was buried, and that He rose from the grave having victory over sin and death. For who? For you and for me. That's for who. And so here we see this begin to... It, it, it's a public profession of our salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It's not a means to salvation. It won't save you. I've, I've had people that I'm getting ready to baptize, and they'll say, Preacher, when you go down, you might need to scrub those sins a little harder this time. You know, it's, it's not about what I can do. Water, the, the, the baptism can't save you. It's not a means to salvation. It's not about how long I hold you under and how hard I scrub those sins away that's going to save you. It's only a public profession of what Jesus has already done in your life. You're declaring to your faith family, I am a believer in Christ Jesus. Jesus has saved me from my sin. I have died to self, and now I walk in the newness of life. You see how beautiful it is? It's absolutely beautiful. And so we need to understand that about baptism. Colossians 2.12 says this, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through the faith in the powerful working of God, he who raised him from the dead. And so we see this: that baptism is this outward proclamation of inner transformation in a believer's life. That's what baptism is. Now, let's look at Lord's Supper for just a moment. We've got only a little bit more time, then the band's going to come out here, and they're going to lead us in this last song, and we're going to prepare our hearts today for the Lord's Supper together. But here's what we, we see. If you will, look at real quickly with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 and following. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and he's teaching them about... Christ instituting the Lord's Supper. And so here's what he says. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 26 is very important for us to realize. It's exactly what we're talking about here today. Let me read that one again for you. Verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time that we partake in the Lord's Supper together, every time that we as a church come together, and eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we are proclaiming the broken body of Christ on the cross. We are proclaiming the blood that was spilled for the atonement of our sins. And we are declaring that Jesus Christ lives today and that one day he will return. That's what we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming that when we partake in the Lord's Supper. And so he says here, he says, For as often as you eat this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he come. Then he says in verse 27, Whoever therefore eats of the bread or drinks from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink 
of the cup. Now this morning I said we're going to close out with the Lord's Supper, but I want to answer a few questions that maybe you've had, uh, uh, you know, in, in considering the Lord's Supper. Okay, the first one is this. What is the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is, is, is a meal that Jesus instituted during the Passover feast uh, during his day. Now the Passover feast was, was the most sacred of Jewish holidays. It was a time where they came, Israel claim, came, and, and they celebrated, they celebrated God passing over their firstborn children when he took the lives of Egypt's firstborn. And so he, they're basically declaring, thank you, Christ, thank you, God, for passing over, for sparing the lives of our firstborn. And so they had put blood over the, the doorpost of, of each house, and so God had spared them, and so they celebrate that. And so Jesus, in this time of gathering and celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples, he declares, he institutes what we have come to know as the Lord's Supper. And what he does is, he says, as he's breaking the bread, he says, he says in the breaking of bread, he says, do this, remember that my body was broken for you. And when he takes the cup and he gives the cup to his disciples and he says, he says, when you drink of this cup, when you have come together in a spirit of fellowship and, and, and Passover and remembering the great things of God, he says, when you drink from the cup, remember the blood that was spilt for you. And so Christ is commanding us to reflect on the goodness of himself when we take the Lord's Supper. Who should participate in the Lord's Supper? Well, it's pretty obvious as we read through this that the Lord's Supper is for believers. It's for people who know Jesus, not just simply know about Jesus. It, it, it's, it's for people who have surrendered their life and are in the process of, of being sanctified by a holy and righteous God. And so here we begin to see this, that, that, that as followers of Christ, uh, we can participate in this Lord's Supper. Now, there's something interesting that we need to say about this. Notice in verse 27 and 28, though, that even though we are believers in Christ Jesus, that the Word of God says this, Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So look at verse 28. Therefore, let a person examine himself then so that he can eat the bread and drink of the cup. The Lord's Supper, Supper is intended to be one of the most reverent times for the church as they gather together in worship. The Lord's Supper is not a time for us to just take lightly. The Lord's Supper is not a time for us to think about, you know, uh, everything else that's going on in our life. The Lord's Supper is not a time for us to say, how about them dogs, right? Even though I'm very thankful for the dogs. I don't know about you, but I, we'll talk about that after church. But, but man, they played well. But anyway... Uh, it's not that time. The Lord's Supper is a reverent time for us to reflect on the goodness of Jesus Christ. It's a time for us to think about, to think about what Christ did for us when he went to the cross and his body was broken. It's a time for us to remember that his blood was spilled for the atonement of our sins, for the forgiveness of our sins. When we eat that cracker, and when we drink from the cup, we are to think about who Jesus is and what he has done for us. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And then the band's going to come out here and we're going to 
sing our last song together this service and just worship God. We're going to go all the way through this song to give everybody ample time to just really examine ourselves this morning and to think about all that Christ has done for us, to praise Him, to bring glory to Him. Let us, let us use this moment to truly reflect on the goodness of Christ in our life. If there's any unconfessed sin in our life, maybe this would be a time to come to the altar and to confess that sin. Or maybe you just haven't told Jesus how thankful you are for Him lately, and so this would be a great time to come to this altar and just thank God for the great things that He has accomplished in our life, for the great work that He continues to do on a daily basis. Maybe this is a time where, for some of you today, that you know, you've realized that you need to get your life straight with God, that, that there needs to be a spiritual birth. Maybe there's still questions in your mind, and we are down here on the front row. Our pastors are here, our ministers. Maybe your friend that's here with you can, can share with you how uh, to come to Christ, how to respond to what Christ is doing in your life. But let us use this last song to think about just how beautiful Jesus is. And then after we finish the song and after we respond together, we will partake in the Lord's Supper. We will break bread together. We'll drink from the cup together. And we'll celebrate Jesus together.